Have you heard about the benefits of CBD? We caught up with Trinity, CEO of Catch Some Relief. Here's what he has to say. Catch Some Relief was founded on the principles of health and wellness for the fishing community. CBD is tremendous for inflammation reduction and anxiety reduction. Our promising is that you will catch some relief. Be like the pros and catch some relief today. Go to catchsomerelief.com and use Blonde15 for 15% off your order at checkout. That's B-L-O-N-D-E-1-5 for 15% off your order at checkout at catchsomerelief.com. Hey, this is Shannon. Sorry I missed your call. Give me a little bit. Yeah, right. Exactly. Hello. Yeah, I forgot about that there. I th- yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, I would. Found out how much I really enjoy party. Nuh-uh. Is that for real? True. It's time like that didn't happen. What do I know? In the future, it's very bright, Michelle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Blonde Girl Behind the Scenes. Today's guest is someone I truly admire and look up to in the bass fishing world. She's a fashion icon, a mom, and a B-O-S-S, that's right, boss. Let's go ahead and get Miss Becky Aganelli on the line to hear how her life's journey has brought her into her current role. Hi there. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good morning. <laughs> can you hear I, I had a brief... Yep, I sure can. Okay. I gotcha. You had a brief what? <laughs> I had a, I had a brief like freak out moment where I was like, "Oh wait, this isn't video. This is just audio, right?" Like, <laughs> I'm not looking respectable enough. Oh, stop! <laughs> you look oh, respectable no, all the time. No, my dogs had me up the last two nights. <gasps> like, I walked into the office this morning, and the ladies looked at me. They're like, "Hmm, you look a little rough," and I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> what happens when you don't sleep? Oh no! What's going on with the dog? Uh, he swims, and so we got. I mean, I guess it's like the doggy version of swimmer deer. Oh. So, like, I, I, he's on medicine now, which is great. The mm. problem is, is that they gave him a steroid shot, oh. and so now he just like pees constantly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always something. Always so something. it's like having a baby, you know. It really is. A couple of hours for a potty break. It is. <laughs> yep, it is. It's like having kids all over again. Oh, yep. geez. But it's worth it, right? <laughs> it is most of the time. Most of the time. But like everything else in this household, Mike's always conveniently gone when <laughs> stuff like this happens. Yeah. Like if you're going to get a sick kid or a sick dog, Mike just, he just, Always is away. Just magically is away. So it's then, where he bribes all of them. It's so like while I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> so when I come back, I just swoop in like Superman and everything's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, He's a fun geez. guy. Of course. There's always got to yeah. be that one that always gets to have all the fun, right? Exactly. I mean, not that you exactly. don't have fun, but... You kind of have to double dip when you got somebody who travels for work a bunch, right? Yeah. Well, and there's, let's be honest, there's nobody that's like, my mom's so fun. Like, everyone says that about dad. But, like, nobody goes, my mom is the funnest. Like, no. <laughs> mom mom keeps you alive. Mom feeds you. Mom makes you get a shower. Like, I mean, I can't, I cannot disagree with that comment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you'll function as an adult someday because of mom. Yes. But you won't be like, my mom is so fun. Right. No. 
mom is the one, the keeper of all the things. There is, yeah. yeah, that is true. I mean, I love my mom to death, but there's much, many home videos of my sister and I like, where's mom? <laughs> What's mom doing? We need mom yeah. for things. And my dad's just like, whatever. Okay. I guess I'm oh, here. The kids will be sitting on the couch with Mike, and all of a sudden you'll just start hearing them screaming, Mom, Mom. And I'm like, what? They're like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, you're sitting next to your father. Like, <laughs> why do I have to come sprinting from the other side of the house? And but you yeah. have legs. Like, you all have legs. You're capable of going to the kitchen and getting whatever you need. I don't know. Sometimes sometimes you, you appreciate. Like, it's great when they can start to cook for themselves. But then there's also, the, like, those cringeworthy moments. Because my children think that when they can cook, they can totally cook. So, <laughs> oh, no. like, the stove tops on, eggs are oh. everywhere. Like, okay. they legit, they're cooking. All right. We're going for it. We're going for yeah. it. I mean, yeah. I have a rule that an adult has to be in the house when they cook because I'm always scared a burner is going to be left on or something. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Fire is very scary. I don't, I am the same way. Even for myself, I'll be like, oh my gosh, did I, li-? like, I will turn my car around if I'm hours away just to make sure I didn't leave a burner on or my dad was yeah. a huge stickler for like things over the vents and like those could start fires. So I'm like, just make sure there's nothing over the vents. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now there's another thing for me to be neurotic about. I never even thought about that one. I mean, on the vent. I think you're fine. I think you're fine. But as far as like cooking, making sure there's an adult in the home, I definitely agree with that because I think I need an adult in the home when I cook. <laughs> there's we all smoke everywhere. I'm like, where is this coming from? Like what's going on? My yeah. favorite is like, I, like dinner's over. I've cleaned up, and then you hear like this click. And I'm like, the oven's still on. Like, oh gosh, I pulled the food out, but it, I, you know, didn't turn that off. I do that all the time. It's awful. Don't come up. Yeah, I I've been there too. Or my dad had these, um, like the stove cover things, and oh, I, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I used to turn a burner on. And walk away with the cover on it. And you just oh. smell burning. You're like, what is that? And you're like, oh, crud. Like, you could legit burn the house down doing that. <laughs> turn, oh, my God. You turn the wrong burner on and you are got the cover on it. Yeah. Been there, done oh that. Oh, my God, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God, no. Just tell your kids, no plastic in the microwave. Because I almost burned the house down doing that once, too. Oh, Vegas. I've had to stop him multiple times because he, like, leaves the spoon and the mac and cheese and puts it in the microwave. I'm like, it's metal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like, we can't do this. (laughs) Kind of like lightning in a pool, friends. Kind of like you could still get shocked. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. These are the things that we have to worry about. Yes. And nobody, I mean, other people have the same worries, but they're just not in the forefront of our lives. Like nobody really thinks about those things until they actually happen. Most of the time you wouldn't normally think about a spoon going in the microwave until you saw somebody doing it. And you're like, that's not a smart choice, man. What are you doing? Well, it's all those things that like we take for granted that we know not to do. But when you have children, you're like, yeah, I guess I never told him that. 
You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they just see me microwaving so then they know how to microwave, but they don't know what you can or cannot put in the microwave. Those learning, those learning lessons. Yeah. Things you have to learn. You teach your kids as a parent. See, this is why I should not homeschool because I'm not aware of the things that I'm supposed to teach them. I don't blame you. I don't, I'm, I am, uh, not a parent, but I was a nanny for many, many years. And just talking to the parents that I used to nanny for, I am quite concerned <laughs> for their children. We could like, all we could all be concerned for the children that are in school right now. It's it's, yeah. it's, it's a questionable generation. Although they might have a lot of, um, I don't know, like maybe there is something that'll come out of it that like we didn't end up with because we had lived in a structured school environment, like. Maybe True. they'll be able to multitask or think for themselves or problem solve better. I don't know. I'm just, Good point. But, Good but, point. I mean, but being like straight up educated by the book <laughs> is so not happening. No. no, I mean, that's what I said the other day to one of the moms I was talking to. I was like, listen, um, your kids are going to have a lot of skills, but that whole math thing or history, it's just not going to happen. I mean... That's not your fault. No, well, no, I'm not hating on you. You're a very good parent, but <laughs> like, there's nobody teaching Common Core at home. No, we're all going. I, I don't no. even understand what Common Core is. So they're all going to be doing old school math like the rest of us. Yeah, let's let's learn accounting. That's what you need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Take I've been teaching away. Vegas accounting with his Have with you? his new hat. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's a good. Well, skill. yes, we had to use his money to buy the hats, and so I had to explain i was like we have to pay for the hats and then you have to sell the hats you know it basically double the price so that then you have enough money to buy more hats afterwards and he's like well how much money do i make and i was like about five dollars <laughs> yes you At got the it end of you the got day, it. you're still in the hole yeah. man <laughs> yeah i'm like you have to reinvest in yourself yes that's a nine-year-old's like say what well i mean if he learns it at a young age that's phenomenal because there are 13 and 16 year olds that I know that have no idea the value of a dollar. And I'm like, man, you are screwed when you get older. <laughs> I know. I know. Right. It's scary. I don't know. This might take a lot of rounds of this or he might give up on it, but whatever. I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. It'll, it'll be fun while it lasts for him. <laughs> this is true. And he might walk away with an accounting degree. Exactly. <laughs> no. Probably, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be great. But speaking of, um, I don't know how much you've um, seen Blonde Girl behind the scenes, but we talk to people of, who work behind the scenes of the sporting industry, obviously. So I know you are kind of the keeper of a lot of a lot of keys and you have a lot of roles. So I wanted to hear your story and, you know, hear about all the different roles and how you got there. And so I'll let you take, take the stage with that. You can start wherever you'd like, um, schooling, home life, background, all that stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> how many hours do you have? It's I got all day, girl. <laughs> I guess it really wasn't that long to have to get here, but some days it feels like a very long road to get to this point right now. All right, I'll give the abbreviated version. Okay. So um, I grew up in Virginia. 
So I went to college in Virginia. After that, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. So I, okay. I think that the northerner in me has always slowly been drawn to go back north. So I didn't move back to Richmond, Virginia after college. I went to James Madison. I moved to Washington, D.C. with a handful of girlfriends. Now, I always wanted to be in the fashion industry, and I got this on-paper job with The Gap that was amazing. Well, let me tell you, within a month of being there, and I'm not trying to slight The Gap, but it wasn't what I was told that the Uh. position was going to be. And so here I am literally making, like, I don't know. I mean, Northern Virginia is so expensive. I mean, every dollar that I made, basically paid to survive. So I started doing these evening gigs with one of the liquor distributors and the beer distributors. So basically I was the girl, this is pre cell phones, everyone. Um, <laughs> like nowadays everyone can walk into a bar and you hang out with your friends and you take pictures on your iPhone. Back then I was the person who basically managed the group of girls that came in was like, Hey, if you're drinking Budweiser, we'll take your picture. We'll print it out. And you got these little postcards with, you know, like Budweiser's emblem on it. But it was pictures of you and your friends at the bar. Sweet. So I did that and made like crazy good money just for a couple hours, you know, a couple nights a week. Mm -hmm. Well, come to meet the girl who did this in the city. She's like, oh, I'm moving to Florida. If you know anyone who wants, you know, a job in this industry. And at that point, I was so disgruntled with my like post-college dream job, which wasn't a dream job, that I was like, yep, I'll take it. So I interviewed, (laughs) started working for the liquor distributor in Washington, D.C., and had like a really great five years living downtown Washington, D.C., because my job basically paid me to go to bars and clubs and restaurants and just be out and be social. So my friends and I like had a free ticket to fun for five years. It was, it was a great job. It was fun. But at the same time, like there was always something missing. Like as much as I love that job, I was missing that creative side. I mean, I always wanted to be in fashion. I was an art major. Like there was still something missing that although this was a great job, it wasn't like that dream for the future. So I ended up getting to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to become, at the time it was called Go Finishing, but it's like, it's like interior painting, but with like all these special techniques and fun stuff. And I was like, I'm going to get back into like home decor and fun stuff like that. I'm just going to leap a face. Well, right around the same time, I took a trip to Las Vegas with my girlfriend. Because last minute, one of my girlfriends, her good friend was the director of entertainment at the MGM Grand. So we end up out in Las Vegas. He knows the same people as a certain angler was also hanging out with. There's a whole group of bass fishermen who are there for ICAST. They're all hanging out. They somehow are connected. I think it was the Red Bull guy. The Red Bull guy knew them. The Red Bull guy knew my friend's friends. So we all ended up at the same place, all hanging out together. And I was introduced to Mike Iaconelli. I was not interested in finding a boyfriend at the time. This was not my mission. I'm in Vegas. I'm trying to figure out my own life, making changes in my life. Like, you know, yeah. all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Meet this guy. And we just clicked. For whatever reason, we just clicked. 
fast forward, you know, like he's visiting me a week later, I'm visiting him, I'm trying to figure out what my life is, this, that, the other. A few months later, I mean, we are like dating, dating. Um, he convinces me within a year that I need to move to New Jersey. And I'm like, okay, why not? <laughs> you know, like, let's move to New Jersey. He had um, bought some land on a lake. And he's like, I'm going to build a house. You want to come live in the country? Well, I've had it with city living by then. So I'm like, okay. yeah, I did this. This is fun. I'm going to move to the country. So we built a home together. We started traveling together. Um, and I guess I was like the, the, the girlfriend on tour, you know? But mm-hmm. it wasn't enough for me because I always had a career. And I'd always had something that was mine. And I always had that thing that gave me self-worth. Mm-hmm. Just being Mike's girlfriend on the road destroyed me because I knew I was more than that. I was not a freeloader. And I'm not saying that the girls out there are freeloaders. I'm just telling you right. my internal struggles mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, after having built up such a career for myself and I financially was in such a good place that I was like, wow. Like, I can't do this. So I actually took an interview in New York City one of the times that we were home to get back into the liquor industry. So I'm like, you know what? You can stay on the road. I'm going to go back, get a job, do all this. And I think it was a turning point in Mike's and my relationship because he really valued my, I mean, not, we were in a relationship, yes. So of course you want that significant other to be with you. But I think he also valued that I was there to help him because there is a ton of work when these guys are on the road. Mm-hmm. Most people don't see that. The behind the scenes when these guys are fishing is it's all day sometimes. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're running around doing so much stuff, getting them stuff. Or, I mean, just simple stuff like laundry and making sure there's food there. Yeah. But there's also sponsors to be talked to or deliverables to make sure that are being met. And this was pre social media craze, but there was still a lot of coordination and a lot of stuff that needed to be done on the road. Um, I think he realized, all right, we got to figure this out. So he was like, why don't you, because you already talked to my sponsors, you already work on all this stuff. He's like, why don't you just take over the whole thing? You take care of the contract, you take care of, you know, making sure I get my deliverables met, you make sure that the checks roll in, you make, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I basically became accounting, I became marketing, I, you know what I mean, sales. I mean, I was starting to talk to people like, okay, well, let's try to get more sponsors for you. So that was our decision. And that's kind of how this all unfolded. He basically entrusted me to take on the whole thing. And that's when we truly became a partnership. He was the face. He was the angler. Um, and I don't want to take away from Mike because Mike has this crazy, uncanny ability to always stay ahead of the curve. Like he just he understood social media before the rest of us understood social media. He got YouTube before other people realized they needed YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew that he needed a web show before anyone even had, you know, a thought or a dream of a web show. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he just somehow has always had this marketing sense that's been ahead of the curve. Um, but he kind of needed that, that person with him to make all this come to life. Now, neither one of us sits still well. We probably <laughs> don't sleep much at night. Um, like, I mean, we don't even get weekends anymore because we're like, we could be doing this or we could be doing this, you know? And yeah. so we're both these high energy individuals. 
But it ultimately became a partnership. And we turned Mike as an angler and that Ike persona into a brand. And it was a conscious decision to brand what he had created and take it to that next level of branding and, you know, the merchandise and, and the sales and Ike approves and all that. So, I mean, 13, 14 years later, oh my God, how many years? Something like that. <laughs> um, we truly build it up. And, and here's the biggest thing. As that all grew and we slowly would have to bring someone in because the accounting part of it, you know, in office became too much. Mentally, that is not, that's not something that I'm, I'm capable of doing. So we brought someone in to help with that. Well, now she's basically my right-hand person in the entire company, Carol Morocco. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And she is, she's basically the VP of finance at ProEd. Um, so we've slowly added people. So as I got off the road, because my children had to go to school, I knew I wasn't going to just be able to sit here and just be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also knew that at some point, Mike was going to want to retire. And I didn't want him to have to fish beyond when he finally said, I'm done tournament fishing. So I decided to turn professional edge fishing into my own company. And I decided to start representing other anglers, um, other podcasts, other, you know, other groups and individuals within the sporting industry. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, fast forward to 2020, and I've got about eight employees. Um, some people handle sponsor fulfillment. Some people handle sales. Some is the back office accounting. Um, I also have people in the building that handle the shipping, um, the warehouse receiving. I have We have the Ike Foundation. So there's people who are fully focused on making sure that the foundation is run properly. And, you know, they handle the scholarship applications, the events that we hold. Um, the donations that we make, um, grant writing, you know, to request grants for the foundation. Um, Mike is also partnered with Pete Glusick for the Basque University. So the office has a studio that's not only Ike Live, but that's also for the Basque University. So we have the education arm and the people associated with that. But the ultimate plan was and still is to grow all these other properties so that the day that Mike goes, you know what? I just don't want to go back out on the road. I don't want tournament fish anymore. I'm burnout. We have everything else built up that basically we can roll over to, or I can roll over to, and he can take a break after all these years of professional fishing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What That's... I leave out? How many? How many holes do I have? How many? <laughs> how many question marks did I babble through that you're like, oh, okay. I have so many questions. I have so many questions because, I mean, I'm intrigued. Literally, I feel like every time I look at everything that you're between what you do and Mike does and everybody that you guys are associated with, it is uh, just great stuff coming out everywhere. And I don't know how you guys do it all, honestly, because it's 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 awesome. And to to hear that that's the end goal for somebody like Mike is pretty awesome because that means he isn't just going to, I mean, obviously fishing is his passion and you have been able to take that as his partner and 
make it so that he never has to give that up in a way, right? You know, like yeah. you're yeah. you're using your abilities that you have to be like, okay, we have a future here. So I think it's, I mean, it's amazing. But to kind of go back to like your art major and fashion and all that, I, I mean, I'm always, I literally, I mean, if we were doing video right now, you would be like, what in, what in the hell is happening here? <laughs> every time I look at your social media, I'm like, dang, like, why can't I look good like that? Like, why can't I rock those like outfits? Like you totally rock everything from the statement pieces to the leather, the leather pants and the velvet pants, like better than anybody I know. So why thank you dive thank into you. Now, that my, a little my bit office, yeah now my office makes fun of me but that is <laughs> that's kind of how I express myself because this isn't the industry that I saw myself ending up in um so I think like my my creative expression gets to come through in my clothing if you saw my gardens and my yard like it's crazy town but it's probably a dream world for kids to grow up in it's like the secret garden because it's so crazy but um yeah, I just, I need that creative outlet. And I don't mind because I know that this is what my family needs is this company and everything that we do with ProEd. I also think it's not just for my family and the ultimate goal of my husband being able to retire someday. And, you know, there's that element of leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. But I think the bigger piece that kind of came out out of all this as the years of work happened and then the foundation started and then having the opportunity to work with new anglers and younger anglers is Mike put in the time like Mike got beat up Mike was kind of the outcast he was that northerner in a southern sport he's he's this crazy Italian from the northeast that if you live in the northeast like you totally get it like he screams my children scream like my entire family they're just loud people they talk with their hands like it's just who we are, the way we were raised, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just different than, say, somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want that opportunity for the next round of anglers. I want that guy who maybe is a little different. I want him to be able to find his niche within his passion, which may be fishing. I want to be able to do the foundation because there's kids in cities that may never have an opportunity to touch a rod. Like, let's give them that opportunity to try to fish. Like, what if that changes their life? Just giving them, they're not going to become a professional, you know, like, or maybe they would, but they won't, you know, most likely, but they'll maybe have a hobby or some, an outlet that's different. I don't know. The the more we can do that. And I totally got off the fashion part and I'm so sorry about that. (laughs) I totally digress. It's okay. Um, We'll come back to all that. (laughs) Yeah. But I think like, the fashion is totally an expression of me and my craziness, my wackiness. I appreciate my husband to no end because I think anyone else would look at me and be like, you can't buy those shoes. Like, you can't, like why would you need that necklace? My husband looks at it and he goes, oh, yeah, you need that. You'll, you'll wear that. You, you go get that, Becky. And then, honestly, like, the way I get dressed most days, this is so funny, but I'll get a bug at my butt and I'll be like, I have to wear that necklace today or I really need to wear those shoes. And then I just build an outfit around it. And I put on as much stuff as I possibly can till even I'm kind of like, yep, yep, I maxed that out. And then I'm done, you know? And half the time, the people in the office take a picture of me because they're like, this is one of your crazier outfits. But they're so used to it. And I think the other thing that I appreciate about my office is that 
I'm a, I'm an idea person. Mm-hmm. Like structure is very hard for me. Um, but they all, I, I, the people I've surrounded myself with are very organized, detailed, structured people. And I'm the crazy creative lady that's like, we need to start a foundation or we need to host an event or we need to hold an online tournament and it should be free for kids or blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like I'm the person who spews random things out there. Hey, have you guys ever thought of like, we should do some sort of social thing and it's this and they all look at me and they're like, uh, and then it gets their wheels turning and something amazing will come out of it or it might not. They might like throw it against the wall and it, it flops. But I think it's that willingness to take risks, mm-hmm. you know, maybe just in my silly fashion also kind of parlays over to the way that I do business and just, I want everyone to kind of think wildly and freely because the only way to do something different or advance yourself in an industry or as a company is like, you can't always stay tight within certain parameters. We got to try stuff. Our world is changing. I mean, look at us now. Like who would have thought that we'd have a pandemic and we'd be hauled up in our homes? Well, (laughs) it's a beautiful thing for our industry and, and for social media. But at the beginning, did any of us realize that? No. So it's just a matter of creating. I mean, the first thing we did was an online tournament. It was like, all right, everyone's stuck at home. No one can get together, but everyone can still fish. Like you can, I mean, until they close waterways. But ultimately, I mean, you've got a ride. You can stand on a bank. Let's create a tournament. Let's just send some prizes out to people. Let's just try to find some joy or happiness in our lives that are a little gloomy at the moment. Mm -hmm. For sure. I, I totally, I envy you on multiple different levels. From the fashion to being able to think outside the box, because I'm I'm not like that either. I'm the very, not that I can't get outside the box, but I'm very structured, like schedule this, 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 and this. And so when I see like like I said before, the the stuff that you guys are doing is awesome. And then you know, I mean, the lion necklace, mm, I love that thing. I literally love that thing. I'm like. Oh, yeah, she's wearing the lion necklace, like that picture. Yep. I don't even know where it came from because I don't know fashion. But I'm like, I love that thing. Thank you. I love I love the lion necklace. You know what's so funny about saying, like, you know, like people inside the box, outside the box. My brother is a very, like, in-the-box thinker. Okay. Very much so. So it's, it's wild that I only have one brother. He and I are, like, yin and yang. We're very close, though. Like, for whatever reason, it works. Our relationship is very strong. But someone asked him one time, and and they were like, how are you so in the box? And your sister is, like, so out out of the box. And he looked at the person, he goes, wait, 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 wait. You actually thought Becky saw the box? (laughs) (laughs) And And I always thought that was the funniest thing. Like, that's just how my brother explained it to people. He's like, Becky never saw the parameters. Like, like. I got myself in trouble as a kid because I never really saw the rules. Like, I never, I don't know. I've just always been a little out there, I guess. But those who don't break the rules never make history, right? So, like you said, leaving behind a legacy, that's kind of how you have to be. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that are, you know, in the box and they follow the rules and this and that. And they come up with great things and, and great ideas. But people that are able to see things differently and creatively and freely like yourself they ultimately end up having more self-fulfillment and just a little bit more 
in my opinion, even though I'm not this person, I've seen it. <laughs> I've seen it. There, there is a lot to be said about somebody who's who's like yourself, who very um, thinks outside of the box because you come up with amazing ideas, and at the end of the day, your wheels never turn off. So you're constantly thinking about things in a different way. You're you're like yeah. perfecting them along the way. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so it took me yeah. to spit yeah. that out. But some people yeah. like. But, but I think that's why it's so key. Like you need different kinds of people. Like if yes. you saw the people I surround myself with, they are all very, very structured in the box people because I need them to rein me in and I need to pull them out. I mean, there there is definitely a yin and a yang to the people that I surround myself with so that they accept me for my crazy, but they also are kind of like, all right, well, let's humor her and try to figure this out. And, you know, they also <laughs> rein me in. And so it's good. Like, I think you need all those different kinds of combinations mm-hmm. of people. For sure. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, I definitely try as much as we can, as much as I can. And I think everybody should surround themselves with different types of people and all different levels of people because you never know what's going to come out of it. There's, there's good that comes out of everything. Not just, yeah, exactly. not just the silly bad stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. So Once you turn into an adult and it just becomes creative, it's a lot better than the misbehaving as a child. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so you are president of Professional Edge. Um, yeah. And Professional Edge represents not only Mike, but like you mentioned, other anglers, podcasts, and other organizations. Tell us a little bit about that. So we basically took everything that we learned by representing Mike in the sport fishing industry and thought, well, why don't we try this for other people? Um, So we added a handful of anglers at the beginning and started acquiring sponsorships for them. And um, part of it, too, was also like becoming a team, a camaraderie. I mean, there's so many times and and every, I mean, to really dive into a bit like everybody gets a piece of the pie because somebody might come to one of my anglers and say, I really love to work with you, but he maybe has somebody in that category. And he goes, listen, I, I, I can't work with you at this time. I'm contractually tied to somebody else, but let me introduce you to the group that I work with. Cause there might be somebody else that makes sense for you. Right. Um, you know, that individual gets basically compensated for bringing the lead to the company. And, and we get to create this, this group that can work together and, you know, help each other and, and kind of team deals. And, um, it's, it's worked out very nicely. And again, it goes back to my original thoughts or comments on the fact that I ultimately want people who come into this industry, not to struggle. Cause I think that when anglers come in, they're told this glorious thing. They're, they're shown these guys that, have a boat and a motor and all this tackle and they're represented by all these companies or they represent companies and they must be getting it all for free and paid so well. And then you come in and realize like, no, you got to buy your boat. You got to buy your motor, you know, here's about, you know, $10 worth of free stuff and go pay $50,000 in entry fees. (laughs) So, I mean, I think the way that we glorify the industry versus how it is for a new kid coming in or a new guy coming into mm-hmm. the industry. I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's not the same. And if there's any way we can make that easier for people or, 
you know, teach them how to start creating yourself into a brand. You have to be yourself like that. That persona has to carry on and that has to be who you are and that's who you need to represent on social media. I mean, let's be honest, one of the reasons that Mike's social media is so strong is he's so goofy and people <laughs> want to see that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I think I, I wasn't even paying attention to him the other day and I was shaving his head and he filmed it and put it out there. But I would never think to do that. I have to be honest, like some of the social media stuff, sometimes I look at him and I'm like, are you really putting that out there? And then people eat it up. Mm-hmm. Because they just want this glimpse into your life. Yep. They want to feel like they know who you are as a person more than just who you are on the water as an angler. Right. And you can have a bad season if they are invested in you. The fans become invested in you because we're all going to have good seasons. We're all going to have bad seasons. But when you create yourself to be a person that they wish they could just hang out, have dinner with, drink a beer with, your brand can carry on. Those are all things that we ultimately want to share with like the next group of anglers. And we want to take care of them and keep them safe and not have someone go into credit card debt. We want them to be able to build up their own business the same way. Um, the anglers, the, the, the web shows, like all, all these guys, like we just want to be able to take care of each other and help each other because we're all in this for, you know, the ability to stay in the industry that we love and the, and something that we're passionate about. So the last thing I want is for somebody to get screwed. So ProEdge is ultimately a team to kind of help each other out and, and, you know, take care of each other. That's what you need because, like you said, there's this glamorization of being a, a, <laughs> a professional athlete. I mean, not just in fishing, but even when it comes to, you know, being a professional in football or baseball I mean yeah you walk into the industry making a crud ton of money if you're a football player or a baseball player but what you never realize is by the time you're 32 you're injured because you've been working your body for so long and you're out of money because nobody taught you how to manage it so I mean the professional edge is bringing in anglers who are or even you know web shows and other partners like that I mean to let them know like we're gonna build this so that you have a future that's what people need to, that's what they need. And they need a team like that because if you don't and you're doing it all by yourself, ultimately you're somewhere along the lines, like you've mentioned already, you might not be seeing everything that you need to be seen. Like if you have a team out there helping you, you're going to yep. get everything, all the pieces. So yeah, that's awesome. Does, so, and you're a board member of the Ike Foundation. So, and the Ike Foundation You've kind of already like mentioned a little bit about it, but the the goal is to more so get more kids out there fishing, not so much building kids up to be professional anglers. Correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the foundation was started. So Mike was Mike was born in downtown Philadelphia. I mean, he grew up. He moved over to you know the New Jersey suburbs when he was young, but he's that he's that city kid. That if he didn't have somebody introduce him to fishing, you know, like many of the people that he went through school with, where would he have ended up? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he didn't exactly grow up in the best area. So we really sat down and thought about it. And we're like, what, what is Mike's legacy? How do we give back? Because you're always being asked to help other organizations with, in a heartbeat, we always do. I mean, I, I support everybody who's trying to help injured, um, 
military guys or kids that are sick or, you know, like any of those. I mean, I, my heart goes out to everyone who is, who puts their heart first and helps out any organization or any group or, you know, individuals in need. Um, but we wanted to find what our focus was. Um, and for us, it really made sense to target the urban kids and the kids in highly disadvantaged areas. Those kids who they'd never have that opportunity. No one would ever say, hey, let me take you fishing. Well, let's find those kids. Let's find organizations that are really targeting those kids and let's support them in any way, shape, or form that we can. Um, so most of what the organization does is ship rods and reels, flambo tackle boxes, all sorts of stuff around the country to the group that are doing that. Because we're small. We're a couple people. Like, we can't go around the country, but we can support those people that are doing it around the country mm-hmm. who are in need of these items. Um, we support a ton of police groups because they are in those urban areas. They're in those disadvantaged areas, and they're trying to connect with the youth mm-hmm. for them to realize that you were not the bad guys. Right. You know, right. um, and so we very much want to support those guys and what they're doing and the kids fishing days out on the water. And they sometimes get 200 kids at a time, um, wow. but they, you know, they don't have the rods and reels. I and mean, we've got a group out of North Jersey that you wouldn't believe how much stuff we send them, but they just keep holding events and they keep getting this opportunity to connect with youth. And we'll always support those guys. Um, the other thing the foundation does is our scholarship fund. So we were kind of looking around, and most scholarships are very much geared towards um, kids who have a certain GPA, kids who are athletic. Um, I mean, those are just minor things, but they're, they're very much like there's key things that most scholarships come down to. Mm-hmm. We wanted to find those kids that were doing something a little bit different in their community and typically would not qualify for those scholarships. We wanted to find the kids that were giving back through the outdoors, through the environment. They started a fishing club or they worked at the, um, um, like a salmon fisheries, you know, spawning. I can't even think what those things are called, but whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, know what who- I know somebody who works at one of those places and I never really know where, I mean, like, I'm like, what is your job? <laughs> yeah, I know like what you're trout, saying. The yes. trout hatcheries <laughs> yes. and, and all that. A total yes. brain fart on words right now. Oh my yes. gosh, I'm sorry. It's a very cool um, job. <laughs> yes, but they're like donating their time to these things because they care about the environment and ecology and waterways and fish habitats and they're not your typical kids that are going to qualify for a scholarship because somebody else is going to look at that and be like, mm, you hang out with fish eggs all day. Okay. <laughs> um, where we're going to be like, that's so cool. Right. You hang out with fish eggs all day. <laughs> <laughs> so we created the scholarship to reward, you know, five deserving high school seniors that are heading off to college. Um, you know, with just a little bit something extra towards college because of what they did and what they donated their time towards during high school. So, I mean, we've got the scholarship. We're just trying to help, you know, bring those kids up, trying to really target um, kids that are in those urban areas, you know, the youth. Um, We usually, this year, had to be different. We hold a huge tournament in the summer, but we do a family fun fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always hold it in, you know, like we've always held it up until now in Camden, New Jersey, which is a rough place right across from Philadelphia. Okay. But 
we've built it up that these families come out and these kids get to learn how to cast and they all get a tackle box and they get to play games and go home with baits and learn a little bit about fish and fishing. And, you know, we have the weigh in then from the tournament and they get to see live fish being weighed in. And, you know, so it's (laughs) something that, yeah, they wouldn't have that opportunity. We get thousands of people at that event. Flambo gives the first thousand kids that show up a tackle box. I mean, it's just, it's huge. And we get support from the sponsors. They've always been behind us. And you know what? You leave the day absolutely exhausted, but your heart is full because mm-hmm. you played with kids all day that are kind of like a fishing rod. You know what I mean? They show up and they, <laughs> oh my God, tangles everywhere. They can't do anything. And, you know, they're a little disheartened. And, you know, within an hour, they're casting, they're hitting targets, and they're, there's a huge smile on their face. Aww. And you feel like you did something. You made someone smile. You showed something to them that is outside their norm you know and mm-hmm. so the foundation is just trying to do anything we can and and you know target these youth and and give them that opportunity or just a shot at it at least once yeah and like you said earlier too I mean if they're not going to be a pro which most of them probably don't want to be but at least they'll have a hobby or maybe something to get their mind off of whatever's going on you know in their life to get out there and be free for a minute, right? I mean, fishing, I cannot tell you how many people I talk to on a daily basis that are like, I'm just going to go out on the lake and fish. Even if they're not in a boat on the bank fishing, like just having those five minutes or 20 minutes or two hours by themselves with a fishing rod can really do a mind some good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you think about it. I mean, what city isn't based on a waterway? I mean, cities were built around waterways. So these mm-hmm. kids do have opportunity to walk up to water, but it's funny. They're like, wait, stuff lives in there. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's fun. It's really fun. And it's, and it's a great way to educate them and kind of change, you know, their thought process a little bit. Those little minds, they're crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's usually the parent, the kids will like, you can see their little heads spin and they're like, this stuff lives in there. Yeah. And the parents are like, uh-uh, not in Lizard there. I'm like, it does. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> what do your kids think about that? Do they get to, to come with you and, and do the fun fest when you can, or the family fest when you can actually have one? Yes. They love it. Love it. I mean, Stella's, she's little. So mm-hmm. she loves just the fun of the event. Like, she thinks she's going to an event and she's having fun. She gets her face painted. and But they just from the beginning has always been my kid where like he's the one who's handing out the tackle box. Like he will lure people off the street and bring them in. He's like, we have free stuff for you. You have to learn how to fit. <laughs> I mean, he's the one that will grab, you know, like a random kid by the hand and be like, you have to come over here and try this. I, I have to teach you how to fish. Aww. He's always been so connected with it, but he's also my child that is incredibly obsessed with fishing and has since the day he could walk and hold a rod in his hand. Um, but it's, it's, it is very connected and within him to want to make sure that these kids have this opportunity. He truly just wants to teach them. Like, I think he knows how blessed he is and the opportunities he's had, and he wants to give them to these kids. It's, it's a wild thing to watch. It's really neat. That is awesome. And he just won himself a little tournament, huh? <laughs> oh, my Lord. He... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, Vegas, Vegas the hammer. He, um, all right, so 
I think he was about 18 months old. Now, he was always obsessed with fishing. He always had a bait in his hand, you know, like he would mm-hmm. steal stuff. We had to be careful with hooks. Um, he always had little plastic kids fishing rods. But when he was about 18 months old, Mike got him an ice fishing rod. And that, those are, I mean, it's a spinning rod, but what is it, like two feet long? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he would stand at puddles and cast and cast and cast. I mean, it was an obsession. Um <laughs> And he's always been obsessed with fishing. So last year we found out that if you were eight, you could fish the youth um, division of the Bass Nation in New Jersey. Oh, okay. So I signed him up and off he and I go. Um, And I think his first tournament he did well. I think he put a couple fish in the boat. Um, His second tournament, he and I ended up at a lake called Merrill Creek. Okay. Um, And he found... You know, on the grass, he found this point on this rock edge. And, you know, he saw that riprap and, you know, he was like, yeah, I should try that. I should try that. I'm like, okay, let's go. And, you know, and I would help him. And he's stuck on a boat with me. He's not with Mike. He's with me. He finds this point and he gets a bite. Well, we basically camped on this point the whole day. And he probably would have destroyed everyone that day with the smallmouth he was catching. But my husband did not teach me how to tie braid to fluorocarbon with a uni-to-uni knot. So when we broke off, I'm doing a stupid polymer knot, and he's catching smallmouth, and they're breaking the knot. So we lost a lot of fish that day. Okay, it happens. <laughs> lost a lot of fish that day. You know, it was mommy's fault because mommy was not fully educated on some of these things. I wouldn't things, have known that home. either. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we go home, and Vegas teaches himself the uni to uni knot. Now, he's obsessed because now we know the, what the mistake was. Okay. Um, he has another tournament on that same lake later in the season, and I think he's zeroed. I mean, he just he couldn't figure him out. He zeroed that day. Well, last week he had a tournament on that lake and he went back to that smallmouth spot and he walloped them. But he caught smallmouth and largemouth off the same area. Nice. But it worked out. And now he knows the uni to uni knot, so he's in good shape. <laughs> um, he caught over 18 pounds and he's in the youth. I mean, I think the closest kid was in the high school division with like 10 pounds. Oh, my. I mean, he. He blew him away. Him. And Mike <laughs> and Mike said, Mike asked him a couple times, he's like, you know, what's your strategy? What do you want to do? Do you want to stay here? Do you want to move? And he was like, Nope, I'm here all day. I'm not moving. And Mike was like, All right, that's your decision. Oh, and wow. he did. He he's but he is he's very he's very fixated on fishing and technique and he reads his magazines and he watches YouTube and I mean he I mean, the guys come for BUs or Ike Lives, and he picks their brain about fishing and techniques. And, I mean, he'll fish Thursday nighters with Mike, which is, I mean, he's the only kid there. It's yeah. mainly just a bunch of dudes because it's a beer league. <laughs> 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 I'm not sure what that says about me as a mother that I let him go, but he just <laughs> wants to fish. He just wants to fish. Yeah. So that probably had I to be. Him, go ahead. No, I keep telling him he should be an engineer. He has to, you know, go to college and everything, and he can tournament fish for fun. But <laughs> Well, if he's got a little mind like that, I mean, I'm sure he could totally be an engineer if his mind's constantly wanting to learn things. Yeah, that's what I keep telling him. I don't need another tournament angler <laughs> in this household. <laughs> I'm sure that had to be so hard for Mike, though, to just sit there and watch him fish and, like, are you sure? You sure that's what you want to do? And then – 
I mean, obviously it worked out. He knew what he was doing, right? I mean, 18 Yeah, Mike, Mike said it was the wildest thing for him to watch because he's like, I would have left. He's like, we had a lull for an hour, two hours. He's like, I would have left. And he's like, Vegas didn't leave. And then the fish turned back on again, and he caught, like, you know, even more fish, bigger fish. And he's like, he knew something I didn't know. Um, but he did say, we all know that Mike's a little, he gets a little upset when he loses fish. He said Vegas literally lost like a four and a half pounder at the boat. and was just kind of like, huh. And like fixed his worm and just cast again. Kind of like, oh, well, <laughs> that happened. Mike said he was literally like, oh my God, I wanted to die. And Vegas just wasn't affected by it. So oh. That's, thank, thank goodness for that. I don't need I don't need two crazy people in a boat. He gets that calm calm factor from Mama, huh? I I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I'm just happy <laughs> he's not. He doesn't react like his father. Could you imagine funny. two of them in the boat like that? Oh, oh God, that'd be you would could never turn a GoPro off ever. <laughs> oh, I don't know. That would either be gold or a pile of poop. I don't know. <laughs> Probably highly entertaining either way. <laughs> <laughs> probably probably yes well that is awesome is pro edge gonna uh represent vegas then anytime soon vegas represents himself right now so <laughs> okay. he did hurt he did um have a uh, logo made vegas the hammer logo and he paid with his own money to have some hats made and he's been selling them and he's got his instagram account he posts his fish catches as of right now, I'm letting him have fun with it. He likes to record videos, and um, he has had people give him some products. He has a Torquedo motor that he loves, and he does social posts, and he does his deliverables for them. Um, but no, he does not need any representation anytime soon. He just needs to be a kid, and when he finds this to be fun, then he can have fun with it. But I don't want him to have any pressure with this because... They're kids. I mean, one second he's playing a soccer game, and then the next second, you know, he wants to go out and fish a fishing tournament. But next week he could tell me he doesn't want to do any of that, and he wants to be a baseball player. So that's where he needs to be right now. He's nine. He just needs to be a kid. That is true. Don't put any pressure on him. No. It's not worth it. Just have fun. Yeah, just have fun. You have your whole life to have pressure and be stressed out. You should just be a kid. The minute you turn 18. It hits you like a brick wall. Yeah, exactly. And I'll boot you out and then you can figure it out. Until then, just have fun. That's right. Well, what do you, um, oh, before I ask you this question, I totally made the coconut chocolate bars. So baking with Becky is a hit in my house. <laughs> love well, it. Well, that's good. I know. I've had a bit of a lull because um, I, I lost my editor. Because she had to go on, she works for a huge company and does this on the side, but she had to go on unemployment when they had to let her off. And so by law, she can't be making any money. So it's not like I could hire her to edit for me as well. We didn't didn't want to break the law or anything. Uh So I did a bunch of, you know, like Instagram stories when I had time. But I have to tell you, like, it's amazing to me, the people who like, they're like, I've got all this time on my hands during COVID. I'm like, I'm like losing my mind I'm so busy but I think but I think that's also because the nature of what happened at the beginning Mm. like it was so unknown I think we all worked like three times as hard 
because you wanted to do the work for your sponsors. Like you wanted to, like, I don't know. I mean, you, you're not getting the exposure in tournaments. So how are we going to get the exposure? What are right. we going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Like it was, it was like overload. It was overtime. It was crazy, 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 run, run, run. Mm-hmm. And then that transitioned into, well, everyone wants to be in the outdoors and everyone wants to be fishing and people need to know, you know, the basics. So let's do a whole seminar on the basics of, you know, how to take your family fishing. And then it's, you know, like, let's do this work for the sponsors. And then ICAST comes out. And then there's new products. And then you do finally have a tournament. And then you just, so, like, we never hit this a lull flow period. It's been crazy, crazy. So I think Staking with Becky hit, like, it kind of got stuck on the back burner. So sad. But it'll come back. Well, I love I'm to looking date. forward to and new I blow, episodes. And I blow stuff up. So, I mean... <laughs> I love it. So Becky, Becky with Becky is like a, a side hustle for you in a way, right? Yes. Well, because I love to, I love to bake and, but I'm really not that good. Um, like <laughs> yes, I you are. Cook. I love to be in the kitchen, but I seriously, I mean, I can't tell you how many appliances I've taken out since I started actually recording myself. <laughs> and then it like dawned on me how bad I was. I mean, like the day that, the day that I flooded um, the Instapot was... <laughs> Uh, Mike's like you didn't you didn't put the container in I was like no oops. but it came back to life and all is good you know I made the cheesecake and it tasted good yeah but yeah I just like I just break things blow things up but you know what it's fun <laughs> we eat it yeah it's good uh, I mean I'm I like I said chocolate coconut bars coconut chocolate whichever variation you want to go I made them they're delicious I love them I want to tackle the churros but I feel like that's just too uh, I feel like that's a disaster for me I saw oh my churros God. they really they yeah they really were not that hard um but make sure you have a lot of people around when you make them because they make so many churros oh my gosh and they really do taste good warm, like they kind of tasted okay the next day, but mm. fresh, they were the best. That and the Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, my God, oh I saw so that. <laughs> but it makes so many. Like, you need a party of 20. Like, be ready to package them up and just hand them, put them on people's doorsteps as gifts because it made so many donuts. I'm going to have to do that. I, I wanted to do the almond cups. And I ended up making like a chocolate peanut butter cup thing. I'm like, I feel like this is somewhat the same. I'm, I love sweets and baking, but I don't eat them enough. Like I'm not a sweet tooth person. So when I need something, I put the um, chocolate peanut butter things that I did in the freezer and they've been in there now for three weeks. (laughs) I've only had one. So I'm like. Do you throw oh, them no. out? Like, do you throw I them will out? after a certain period of time. I will. But but Vegas liked a lot of those. So I see him sneaking in and picking them out. He liked oh. the um, the chocolate coconut ones. He ate them for a those while. Those were delicious. And then the almond cups I thought were okay. But if I had done them as peanut butter, I think I would have liked them better. Yeah, I that's what that's all I had. But that's how I did them. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I can get down with these. And then... I only had a couple, and so maybe I need to pass them out to my friends. But I, you made a good point about the melting. If you leave them out, yeah, they melt. They, they melt. melt. Because I guess because you put so much um, of the coconut, coconut oil, oil in, and coconut mm-hmm. oil with, like, the slightest 
temperature rise just goes to liquid. Yeah. Like, that must be what makes it melt. Probably. Oh, no. The heat. I mean, it's been 109 here for, like, the last three weeks, so. Yeah, it has been so hot here, and I'm really confused because I was pretty sure that I lived in New Jersey. Um, (laughs) But this is, like, Florida weather. Like, I don't understand what's happening here. Like, I'm pretty much sold on global warming after this summer. Yes, they said this is one of the hottest summers that we will experience or that we have experienced in a very long time. I don't know technically what the year length of it is, but I do know that 2020 is a bust as far as I'm concerned because the last time a hurricane even got close to Hawaii was 1959 and one almost hit it last week or the beginning of this week. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was the beginning of this week. Yeah. Crazy. I'm like, man, what, what is next? What is next? But we're staying now. And there's so many. I mean, cause the one just hit Texas. Mm-hmm. There's another one about to hit Puerto Rico. Yep. Um, they don't need any more hits down there. I mean, that's a yeah. Well, I think that was a tropical storm. I don't think it ever okay. got to hurricane level. But really, what is happening here? I know what is happening. And, and this winter was so mild. Yes. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who don't love their cold winters, but when you live in New Jersey, you expect some snow days. And my kids got zero snow days. They were pissed. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to. You're supposed to have snow days. I mean, true. I grew up in Michigan, and I was like, I we would have days added onto the school year at the end of the year because of snow days. Yeah, that's how we were. Yeah, I mean, I feel that we had a big ice storm in the early '90s. I remember we were out of school for like almost a week, I think, because people had lost power because the ice. It stayed so cold that the ice never melted off the power lines. And so, yeah. And I was a yeah. back road kid, so the buses, they would be main roads only. And my parents would have to drive us to school or up to the main road to get on the bus. Now, if the buses can't get down the main road, they just cancel school. But I don't know that they had that many snow days back there, back home this last. Well, yeah. I don't think they had any, now that you say that, since you, I mean... Can't yeah, we didn't have any this year, which is just bizarre. It is. But wait, I mean, 2020 is not over yet, Becky. <laughs> I know. I would love I would love a cold winter. We need However, to kill off some of these bugs. Like the ticks, the ticks are insane really? this year because it didn't get cold enough to kill them all. Oh, gosh. That's not good. I don't like to hear that. Ticks are very disturbing to me. I'm not yeah. fans of yeah. them. If, no. you're, if you're homeschooling, though, then when it the slightest of a snow drop or like they do here in the south if there's a snow watch or it's not even a warning it's a watch winter storm watch they cancel school so take that into account if you're doing homeschooling you'll be like oh kids it's a watch no school tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) i wish it i wish that worked (laughs) that'd be awesome that's true but i mean i guess if you're doing your own school you can do whatever you want right yeah, yeah. Well, except that it's all it's it's all from the teacher. So we're still we're still through the school. Oh. Well, our kids, although they're saying that our kids are going to go to school, physically go to school two days a week. Okay. And then they'll e-learn three days a week. Okay. I don't know how long that'll last, but at least we'll get a couple weeks in, and they'll get to meet their teacher. Because mm-hmm. how weird would it be to have a teacher that you've never met? I mean, I did online like, could college. You imagine being like, 
but yeah but could you imagine being like seven or nine years old oh, or like gosh. the teacher's still like your other mommy mm-hmm. yeah, you know no. i don't know any even like high school age kids i'm i've been thinking to myself like if i was in high school and i had to do virtual learning i i don't know that i would do so great I think no. I would struggle with the social aspect, like missing the social aspect. And like you said, not even knowing what your teacher looked like or like, I mean, how they function. Because there's a lot of things like in person can help you figure out as a kid. You know, yeah. is my teacher going to get mad if, if I am eating at my desk? or You know, like little things like that. You just know how they function when you're there. You can't figure yeah. that out virtually. No, no. So it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm happy that they're going to go for a little bit. I figure we're probably going to end up 100% e-learning at some point, but at least they get to like meet their teacher and we'll go from there. Yeah. I don't know. One step don't know. at a time. One step exactly. at a time. Well, I have, exactly. I've kept you long enough, but I do have a couple of questions before I let you go. Um, one being, you mentioned this about Mike. What is Becky's legacy? What do you want to leave behind? Oh, I don't know. Um, I don't really feel like I need a legacy in the fishing world. I feel like I'm just like a support person within that. I mean, it's all really Mike's dream, and, and I just view this as, as my job and my responsibility. But I don't feel like I, at this stage of my life, really have a legacy to leave in fishing. I think my legacy is for my own children and probably um, especially for my girls. I want them to see um, a mom in a corporate role who was able to run a business raise them, run a household, keep a marriage together. Um, and, and just, I don't know, I guess, I mean, I'm not going to say that every day I do it well, but I want them to be able to look at that when they become, you know, older and out on their own and have their own family, um, their own children. I want my legacy to be, I can do it. My mom did it. I can make my marriage work. Like I can be a wife. I can be a mom. I can be a corporate person. Like I can do all these things. So I think my legacy is more for my children because I want them to see, I don't know, everything that I did, which was ultimately for them, but for them to be strong women. This is a man's industry. I mean, you and I know this is a man's industry. So I want to be able to, to leave this industry with grace and, respect and have them haven't seen that that my mom was in a man's industry she never had to I don't know I I I was able to do it you know without anyone saying oh she's obnoxious or she's a bitch or she well they probably will because you're a woman if a man said it it would be fine if a woman (laughs) says it she's a bitch but you know what I mean but I want to be able to leave and and have people respect me and Mm -hmm. I want my children to see that and know that they can go into the world and do whatever it is they want there is no such thing as a man's industry, a woman's industry. It's all corporate. Yeah. And you are just as smart and you're just as capable. And you're probably going to have to do 10 more things than a man. I'm sorry, but they don't run a household. They don't have to mm-hmm. educate the kids. They mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And I want them to know that they, they can do it too. And, and 
and turn out fine and, and have people like you and, and just be kind, just be a good, kind person. Mm -hmm. That's my legacy, but it's for my children. Well, I think that's perfect because like you said, you can do it. Nobody can tell you that you can't number one. And if you can do it, then so can they. Right. Right. Yeah. You raise them to know better that they shouldn't be sitting in a corner saying, oh, I can't be in that industry because it's a male-dominated industry. Nope, you can. And you're probably yep. smarter than half the men that are in it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I mean, men, not knocking you. Yeah. But, <laughs> but they're just as capable. They are, and right. there is no reason to be dismissed. Yep. And I can wear a crazy outfit. Yep. To be honest, I, I, just, I would like my children to keep their clothes on. Just keep their clothes on. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's not a slight on any of the people who feel like they're going to make their way in the world by taking their clothes off. But no, I've done it by keeping my clothes on. I just, that's right. You know, <laughs> that's your choice. That's how you've done things. That's how you get to where you want to be. Yeah. And somebody else's can, life path can, is maybe a little different. <laughs> yes. You can do it with your brains and your work ethic. Exactly. So with that being said, if you were going to give one piece of advice to your girls or Vegas or anybody who would be looking to, um, let's just not say in particular getting in the fishing industry, but maybe the fashion industry, what piece of advice would you give them? Oh, wow. Man, that's a tough one. I guess, I guess my biggest thing is you have to be yourself. As hard as it might be sometimes, because I think, I think both Mike and I have, have been through this. You have to stay, stay true to who you are. Mike is this crazy, loud, northern guy. And when he tried to morph and mold into this southern gentleman, he wasn't true to himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. For me, I'm kind of a little wacky, a little crazy, a little out there, super creative. Um, sometimes I'm assertive and you know, probably stick my foot in my mouth. But at the end of the day, you you have to be yourself because the moment you stop being yourself, you're going to get caught in a lie because people are going to wonder who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to be a good person in the process. I mean, don't don't be a crappy person, but you got to be yourself. You have to be yourself and not everyone's going to like you. And that's the other really hard thing about about life and especially in business. There are people that are not going to like you but you need to always be kind. You always need to be polite. You need to be yourself. But you just it's okay. Not everyone has to like everyone. Yep. But find the people who accept you for who you are. Surround yourself with those those good people. And also accept people for who they are in the same in the same breath. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like everyone's different. I mean, I have to say some of my best girlfriends are from all over the country who I never thought that I would meet and I mean, some are very Southern, some, you know, like they, we just come from all different walks of life, but I think it works because we all accept each other for just being who we are. And that makes it more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And if they don't like you, it's okay. And if you don't want to hang out with them, you can walk away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, yep. but I think, I think that's the biggest thing. Just, you just got to be yourself and that's- you can't. You can't hold back on who, who that person is because that's who you are and you're going to get caught in the line and then people are going to wonder who you are, you know, if, if you go against that. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice that goes for relationships, friendships, and in business, in, you know, employment. Yep. So, awesome. Yeah. I love it. I love yep. you. And I, I love, I love you. 
<laughs> I cannot talk today. I swear I've struggled all, all week. I have loved this. I appreciate your time. And I'll let you get back to baking with Becky and your and your puppy dog. Yeah. And Pro Edge, because I'm sure you guys you. got so much stuff going on. They're probably I know, like, they're probably where wondering where I am. Yeah. I know. I know. Amazed <laughs> I don't have text messages yet. Are you coming out to this office? <laughs> well, uh, the awesome. bell's well, thank ringing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank yes. you for having me on. This is so fun. Of course. I appreciate it. And I'll definitely be in touch with um with some more stuff. Excellent. That sounds fabulous. Thank you. You are welcome. You have a wonderful day. Yes, you too. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. There she is, folks, uh, the boss lady, the keeper of the Iconelli Keys, somebody who truly is inspirational on multiple levels. I cannot wait to see where the future of Pro Edge goes, the future of the Ike Foundation, as well as Bass U and Ike Live. If you want to check out any of those outlets, I will post them in the show notes. I appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Feedback is always welcomed and appreciated. Please do me a favor and like us on Facebook and Instagram, Blonde Girl Behind the Scenes. I cannot wait to share with you our next story. With that being said, who do you want to get to know? Drop me a line and let's get to know them together. Later, Gators.